Watching sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. This caravan was organized by leftist groups in Honduras. They were sent north for the sole and exclusive reason of challenging the laws of the United States of America by coming into our country illegally. And the president's made it clear we're not going to allow it. We're not releasing them into our country any longer. They'll wait for long periods of time. We're putting up massive cities of tents. The military is helping us incredibly well. The president is committed to going out there, energizing the base, supporting those candidates who are pushing forward and supporting his agenda, which, as we know, it's a winning agenda. This election is about what course America takes, what road we travel, what course Texas takes. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome back to the show. I love it when we have good guests on the show. And it was really an honor to get to... (laughs) <laughs> to have a great chat, a fun chat with um, Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association. He also hosts today's issues on American Family Radio, and he's been a broadcaster for a very long time, as you can tell, because he's very easygoing and laid back, and he enjoys uh, you know, just having conversations on the radio, which makes it really fun. And I, I am willing to sit under the tutelage to learn about golf but I'm pretty sure you guys want to hear about midterms, so we talked about that. So super fun. Share the show. Uh, share it on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you uh, like to do your social media. Share the show. Even post it on Reddit if you're a Redditor. Um, and just um, just let people know that you, you enjoy it. I, I really appreciate that. And um, what are we going to talk about this hour? Well, we're going to go straight to the phones here in just a sec. We're going to talk about the president's wide-ranging speech yesterday. Um, where he was talking about the problems at the southern border and what he's going to do about it. And I really thought it was a masterful speech on his part. He laid out every bit of the problem and what he felt were the good solutions. And this has nothing to do with not liking people and everything to do with national sovereignty. So it's super important that we make those distinctions and uh, that, that the law is the law is the law. We have to continue that. We're one of the only countries on the planet, like three countries have the right to bear arms. Very few countries have the right to the pursuit of happiness as a part of their, their, their constitution. We're the only country to have a constitution as longstanding as our own. The average length of a constitution before it's turned over to a new document around the world is seven years. So we've been living under the same constitution since the inception of this country, which is what makes it so primo. And how did we get something so awesome that it's lasted this long? Because it's based on Judeo-Christian values, because God was in the mix. That's why. So we got to, you know, we got to keep ourselves on the straight and narrow here, um, knowing it's half the battle, like the commercial from back when I was a kid. <laughs> okay, let's go to the phones. Uh, Peter in Tennessee, thanks so much for calling the show today. Happy Friday. Hey, happy Friday to you, too. Stacy. you are a breath of fresh air in a world of halitosis. I'm <laughs> telling you, I, I, I have so enjoyed your show. Uh, gosh, I, I guess probably since, you, since, since I found it on... Uh, my night drive, every night I listen to two hours of you, and uh, it's just been just amazing to be able to listen to uh, uh, just the, the conservative commentary, the uh, right, and I don't mean the right side of the aisle, but the right in your head kind of thoughts that you give. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what that lady 
uh, was talking about, about the military going down for humanitarian aid. You know, the president mm. has already stated he's not going to let them in the country. So if he's not sending them down there to be intimidating and turn people around, then I, I don't know what she was thinking. But I, 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 I was really surprised I mean, by that, too, honestly. I just... I was expecting her to come on and talk about because she's she's a national security analyst. I thought she was going to talk about national security implications of moving so many troops to the southern border when that's more troops than we have in Afghanistan. And so to have her kind of go in that direction where she was calling it a political stunt, how could the president have orchestrated a group of migrants coming up here in order to do a political stunt? How could how could he have even laid that out? I know people think he's all powerful, but he couldn't even have laid that one out. Well, clearly he paid Venezuela to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's rich, but I don't think he has that kind of money. But you know who does? George Soros and the Russians and yeah. the Chinese. Those, those are the ones who are really paying for this. But the important thing is I was so excited just to get to hear you live because at night you have me, and in a good way, but screaming at my radio because I can't do anything about calling you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Well, thank you for listening uh, at night. And thanks for, for calling in to uh, to give me the, the big ups. I, I appreciate the encouragement. Um, Fritz in Missouri. We'll, we'll go to Fritz in just one second. Oh, we're ready. Okay. Fritz in Missouri. Thanks for calling the show. Yeah. Hi, uh, Stacey. Thank you for having me. Sure. I, I needed to make some comments. Uh, here in Missouri, we've got a, on the ballot, we've got a, an initiative called Clean Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is really, really, really deceptive. Uh, it, it, it basically it sells itself as something to clean up money coming into the campaigns, or not to the campaigns, but to, uh, for elections. And the Republicans and Democrats have both looked at this in Missouri. We're, I think we're very satisfied with how it's being done. But what's actually under the covers of this thing is that it's an attempt to uh, give the um, uh, the ability to redistrict the districts mm-hmm. in Missouri to, to someone appointed by the auditor's office. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a, there's a chance, uh, and a fairly good chance, that the Democrats might win that, that office. If they do, then they're going to put somebody in. It's going to destroy all the, the Republican, uh, all the conservative districts. I, my, I'm clear up in northeastern Missouri. I would be put in probably with constituents in Kansas City and St. Mm-hmm. Louis, and mm-hmm. they're down in the boot hill. It, it's, it's, it's an awful bill. It's a deceptive bill, and it's... it's they, the Democrats can't win legitimately in Missouri, so they're they're going to this uh, this bill to try to uh, to get it's, things done. It's like what the Democrats did in California. In California, they couldn't win when a Republican was running against a Democrat because the Republican always made so much sense. So in California, what they did was they went to this kind of runoff system where the top two vote getters. So instead of Democrats running in primaries against other Democrats, so you always had two choices. What they did was they took the top two vote getters and those were the two candidates. So there were always two Democrats and they have locked local politics out. Republicans can't do anything there. What they want to do here in the state of Missouri, as you described, Fritz, and thank you for calling and talking about this. There's so much to cover. I, I want to make sure Missouri voters know you have to vote no on Amendment 1. I have a sign in my yard. I'm, I'm like, th- this is how serious I am about it. No on Amendment 1, because as Fritz described, you're talking about them drawing lines straight down the, the state of Missouri. If you think of Missouri as we're, our state is shaped kind of like a block, and then there's a little what looks like the heel of a boot at the bottom, And what they would do is they would draw vertical lines up and down the state to basically give political power to the Democratic parts of the state and take power away from the huge majority of the state, which is 
very, very red, very conservative. Um, I, I, I recommend that people just, if you're in doubt, no is the answer. But on Amendment 1 specifically, the answer is no. Do you, do you have something you want to say about Claire McCaskill, too? Yeah, I do. Uh, Claire McCaskill is running for, for uh, a senator to get here in Missouri. Uh, people, people don't understand what's been going on in, in Washington, D.C. Claire McCaskill, back when Obama was in office, uh, voted for the stimulus package. Uh, there's a reason why she did. She got $20 million from that. Uh, uh, I, I worked up a little list. She could buy a $15 million island in the Caribbean and build a million-dollar <laughs> mansion, a million-and-a-half-dollar jet to get there, a half-million-dollar runway, two half-million-dollar Ferraris, and still have a billion dollars left yeah. for a $200 bottle of wine, a $300 bottle of champagne, mm-hmm. and two to $3,000 a bottle of Scotch whiskey. Um, mm. Uh, That's so a good it, life. And she said that it was the, the stimulus package was a success. They should do it again. In other words, she should get another $20 million. Mm-hmm. This gal is... Uh, 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 <laughs> she's she's polling like behind Josh Hawley, but I don't underestimate her. Fritz, I, I encourage you to keep spreading the good word. You are articulate and really well-versed in the issues. Keep telling friends and neighbors, no one can afford to stay home. You have to vote what you feel God would have you to do in the election because you're going to answer to God for it. And and that pertains particularly to Claire McCaskill. You've outlined some of her duplicity on on, you know, basically in, enriching herself. But Fritz, her big issue for me is that she calls herself a practicing Catholic and she is pro-abortion. She's not just pro-choice. That euphemism makes no sense. She's pro-abortion. Fritz, that woman believes in all abortion all the time. And I'm just we got to say no to that. Thank you so much for calling the show. I'm, I really appreciate um having listeners who are so able to articulate it's no on amendment one no on amendment one um and i will also have tonight going up the voter guide for missourians and i'm sorry i don't have one for every state that we're in but i only have um i actually go to a book club where we had someone come and present the issues to us and then uh, one of our book club members actually created a voter guide and i have published lisa panet's voter guide every election that we've had it um and i really appreciate her work and so we'll be putting that out there Oh, let's do one more phone call, and then we'll go to the president's remarks on uh, illegal immigration crisis. Gloria in Florida, thank you for calling the show. Happy Friday. Thank you. I just wanted to um, make a comment. If the immigrants do not get any benefits whatsoever and they um, do the E-Verify, take all the incentives away from them, plus... You know, just work on the border until we get it done. Um, that would be something that I think that would work. These people are coming for a reason. And another thing is Zoros. I think he they need to look into all these people that are uh, bringing these people over on a caravan and uh, all this agree. money that is going. I know, agree. And you know what, these- Gloria? One of the things that is super important, so I, I posted the link on my Facebook page. It's to the Conservative Treehouse where they break down all of the actions that the president has taken. We covered it on the show, but if you missed it, it, the president has taken these actions with tariffs and different things like that. And that is the reason why Venezuela, through their partners in China and Russia, are funding the caravan because they're trying to strike back at the president on an issue that is really signature for him. The unintended consequences, of course, that it, they've given President Trump the perfect reason to implement much tougher uh, kind of reactions and, and take further steps because of the danger of having 10,000 people try to enter the country illegally. Um, thank you so much for calling the show today. I've just been told by my producer, fantastic, 
AFR has a voter guide. So every state that we're in, AFR is working. We have uh, American Family Associations in a, um, a number of different states. The AFR voter guide is ivoterguide.com. I as in, you know, me, myself, ivoterguide.com. You go there and you can check out the issues that we're really strong on and we want you to have information on in your particular area. So please do that, ivoterguide.com. And I'm going to type that in on the streams online here. And please go there. And it, no, there's nothing better than walking into your polling place because we have our, um, our sample ballots mailed to us here in the state of Missouri. And so we had this sample voter guide mailed to us. And they actually had to reprint it due to some kind of vendor error, which I haven't even had a chance to look and see what that vendor error was. But it gives you a chance to see what your ballot will look like. Take the paper ballot. I know it's annoying, but take the paper ballot if that's an option for you. Because um, then you have a paper record of what your vote was. You don't have to worry about a machine to record it properly. It takes longer, but who cares? Anything that's quality, that's worth your time to do, is worth doing right. The paper voter, the, the paper ballot. And then what you can do is you can take your sample ballot and you can compare it to the voter guide from American Family Association at ivoterguide.com, ivoterguide.com, and then you can fill it in and take it with you. Now, someone might say, not someone, we don't know what their name is, but let's just say someone says, oh, you have to write, you have to take a guide with you. Yes, I do my homework. That's your answer to that. If anybody says to you, oh, you have to print your guide and then you have to do it at home and then bring it in. Yeah, I like to do my homework. I like to make sure my vote is counted and that everything that I vote for is voted the way that I want it to be voted. Don't allow anyone to intimidate you into feeling, number one, like you shouldn't go vote. Number two, like you shouldn't take your sample ballot and have it filled out before you get there to make it faster and easier for the people behind you and for yourself and you have peace of mind knowing you didn't make any errors. And third of all, how dare you? Don't feel like you have to allow people to unduly criticize you. You don't have to receive criticism from anyone. If someone in your life is that person who's constantly chirping in your ear like worm tongue, I don't know why you did this. I, just tell them, why are you asking me? Worry about yourself. You know who's worrying about themselves? People who you see strolling in with these already filled out. They're worried about themselves and they're worried about this country. And they're willing to do the homework that's needed to be done to get their vote correct. That's what we want to see going on here. And I encourage you to do it. iVoterGuide.com. That's the American Family Association Voter Guide for all of you in our 32 states, 800 communities. We're so glad to have you. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, our tours each year fill up quickly. And so I'm letting you know now uh, don't tell anybody else now that the uh, 2019 Spiritual Heritage Tours are planned for June and for September. So if you want to go this year, that is 2019, you need to let us know as soon as you can. Visit the website spiritualheritagetours.com. Spiritualheritagetours.com. Again, those are two separate trips, one to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown, and the other one to Washington, D.C. and George Washington's Mount Vernon. Stephen McDowell, who's the president and founder of the Providence Foundation, is our historian, and he'll be on both trips telling us the behind the scenes and the stories of who, what, when, and why. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Most people would expect liberals to be open-minded, and yet they find that they are often the most intolerant. Kim Holmes explores the reason for this transformation in his new book, The Closing of the Liberal Mind. He was on my radio program to talk about the history of the radical change in mindset and attitude. Now, classical American liberalism in this country was based on a belief in liberty. Citizens were to be free from government coercion and thus free to believe something different from the orthodoxy forced on it by the state. They were also free to discuss and debate, and most importantly was a belief in true tolerance which accepted the right and freedom of others to believe differently from you. It was a live-and-let-live philosophy. I may disagree with your views, but I would defend your right to believe them. That is not the view of the postmodern left today. They practice the politics of intolerance. They may think that they are tolerant, but really live in a world where bigotry and discrimination are allowed against any view that is not politically correct. They are willing to stifle free thought, censor free speech, and use public shaming in order to suppress any idea they do not like. Now, in his book, he talks about the campus bullies, but we also discussed how this has moved into even the business world. Now we have corporate bullies willing to use economic power to stifle and suppress legislation they abhor. He says we have a new ruling class that is wealthy, smart, well-connected, and formidable. Although their numbers are small, actually in the thousands, their influence in the media, in the academy, and in government is significant. They also believe that they have a higher truth which is superior to the common wisdom of the day. You know, we're in a battle with a new kind of liberal mind, and that is why we need to read about the closing of the liberal mind. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From GraceWorks Pictures, Indivisible, based on the true story of Army Chaplain Darren Turner and his wife Heather. Rated PG-13. Now playing IndivisibleMovie.com. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. <laughs> I encourage you to go and retweet me at Stacy on the Right on Twitter because I... I've undertaken a major task. I want to tweet out all 289 of the president's accomplishments. And um, that's a pretty, pretty heavy lift. But I have the actual link to the list at Washington Examiner. And I've been tweeting that out. So retweet me if you're one of those people who's on Twitter. Um, And if not, that's okay. I also have it posted on the Facebook page if you want to click through and read it for yourself and share it with people who say the president isn't doing anything or that all of his actions are political stunts or that somehow President Obama had anything to do with the success that we're currently experiencing, other than the fact that he warmed the seat up for eight years until President Trump could get there. Sorry, yeah, I just said that, but I meant it, so not sorry. All right, our next guest is from the Heritage Foundation, Amy Swearer. And um, we we have this big deal going on right now where people are arguing about birthright citizenship. And I'm so glad to have an heritage expert here to talk about it. Amy, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so first things first, in this conversation, people keep acting as if the president has said that he will use an executive order to actually change a constitutional amendment. And I don't believe that is what he's planning on doing. Uh, well, it's it's hard to know for sure what the president is planning on doing, uh, simply because we don't have an executive order in front of us. Uh, we don't know the, the scope of the language or what he's ordering who to do and when. Uh, mm-hmm. That being said, I, I tend to agree that it is more likely than not uh, any hypothetical future executive order 
will not try in any way to repeal the 14th Amendment uh, or to, to change it you know, fundamentally in terms of wording. Um, but what it would more likely do is instruct executive agencies to act in a way consistent with a more limited interpretation of the 14th Amendment. So I and thank you for that, Amy, because I think obviously without the executive order, we are speculating, but we can go based on the comments the president has made, especially the press conference yesterday where he really laid out a lot of his reasoning behind needing to do anything in the first place. Um, the 14th Amendment, correct me if I'm wrong, was actually passed to make sure that the children of freed slaves would be citizens of this country. Am I correct? Uh, that is that is absolutely correct. The primary purpose behind not just the 14th Amendment, but the, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments uh, had to do with slavery, with ensuring uh, that the horrors of slavery uh, were not uh, ever to happen again, uh, that there were constitutional uh, protections in place to prevent that, and the 14th Amendment specifically to grant citizenship uh, to individuals who were lawfully present in the United States and who owed their complete allegiance to the United States. They did not have foreign ties, uh, and that would be primarily uh, the newly freed slaves. So for the president to feel it necessary to make this designation through an executive order, obviously he said many times that it would be better to have Congress create a law that specifically clarifies what birthright citizenship is, but because Congress is so deadlocked, it leaves it to him to do an executive order, which we all know executive orders only last as long as the presidency of the man who signed, the, you know, the, the president who signed. So it's a temporary fix, but it would help in that it would clarify for Americans what is really going on here. And that is that. It, so, for example, if my husband and I were to travel to Germany to work, I grew up there. So maybe we're there and we're working and we have a child in Germany, the German government would not consider our child to be a German citizen. They would say, because we are American citizens, that our child is an American, our child could apply for citizenship and would probably receive much more favorable treatment than, say, an American immigrating in. But the fact is, citizenship is normally, by most developed nations, assumed to be that of the parents. Uh, yeah, that, that's right. So uh, America is not the only nation to have uh, universal birthright citizenship, uh, but we are one of the few uh, between us, uh, Canada, and then a few Latin American, uh, South American countries and, and a handful of countries outside of the European Union. Uh, but in terms of what we would consider the, the developed world, uh, there there are no countries inside the European Union uh, who use uh, the concept of universal birthright citizenship, as you pointed out. Germany certainly does not. Uh, and the trend in the last few decades has actually been to move away from that. So you've seen countries like uh, the United Kingdom and, and a few others who did have universal birthright citizenship actually change that law uh, so that it is not the case any longer that anybody who is born on that soil becomes a citizen of that country. So why is this so hard for uh, media people to describe accurately? Over the past 48 hours, I have heard nonstop false statements about what the president has proposed. I listened to three of his statements, three separate statements, but all about the same topic. I understood immediately that he is talking about 
people who are in their eighth or ninth month of pregnancy and travel to from China, about 50, 55,000 of these women do this a year. They travel to California. Um, and I had someone tell me it also goes on in New York and, and Florida, but I only know about California. They travel there. They stay in a posh hotel. They deliver in a very nice private hospital. They get the American birth certificate, and then they take all of their shopping and their new baby back to their home country, and their child has a right to an American education, American university education, and you know all of the stuff that you get with citizenship, and they, then they just decide when they want to pull the trigger on using those things. That's birthright tourism, and then there's also you know, illegal immigrants from the south of the border who just travel over the border literally a day or two before they're going to go into labor or in labor, have a baby, and then all 20 of their relatives, including the parents, are now able to come into the country. I can't see anybody whose head works correctly, like their brain is working, who thinks that's okay. Like, why is that something that the media is pushing as we need to continue that practice? Yeah, well, you know, I, I I can't tell you the intent of, of every single person in the media. I, I do know for a, a lot of people, this was not a, a concept that they had thought of. I, I think there are truly a lot of Americans who just uh, assumed, uh, primarily because it, it's what they've been told for so long, uh, is that there is only one view, and it is that if you are born on American soil, you are a United States citizen. Uh, but there has actually been a, a robust uh, conversation and, and discussion and disagreement going on in the background, especially among scholars and academics, as, as to what uh, some of these clauses actually mean and about who is and who is not an American citizen. Uh, and so, you know, in, in many ways, this is almost good uh, for the country as a whole for, for this conversation to come to light. I think it is, it is uh, an issue that just too many Americans had not given thought to. And so their immediate reaction is, well, you, you can't do that, of course. Of course, everyone who's born on American soil is a United States citizen. Um, and so I think it's actually good uh, for some of these, these arguments and, um, and, and realizations of, about the true meaning and, and the purpose and the intent of the 14th Amendment to come to light. So, does, so would an executive order that clarified that you need to have at least one American parent in order to be born in this country and be an American citizen... Am I wrong, Amy, in saying that that impacts very few actual Americans? Like it, it, the executive order that I'm, if I'm understanding his proposal correctly, it is an executive order that is specifically meant to address birthright tourism and illegal immigration and does not disenfranchise someone like myself, where I'm an American citizen and my husband is one too, any children we might have or any children my children might have, or even if one of my children were to marry a foreigner and have a baby in America or abroad, their their child would still be an American. Right. Uh, and it would, I, I would like to give the president the benefit of the doubt that, that he would uh, you know, do his best to comply with what we know from the Supreme Court. Uh, so there is a case from 1898 uh, called uh, United States being Wong Kim R, where it said, like, if you are uh, essentially what would be today a, a permanent resident alien, so someone who is lawfully residing in this country on a permanent status, you, know, you, you don't really have an intent to go back. Um, there's a good chance that you naturalize as a citizen in the future. Your kids are United States citizens. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but outside of that, um, you know, and what we would consider people who actually have ties to this country, because, again, those are permanent uh, lawful residents. Uh, but, but no, I, I mean, you're right. This idea of, um, that, as I've 
heard it a few times, you know, Donald Trump is going to send us back to the days of Dred Scott. He's going to yeah. strip African-American <laughs> citizenship. I mean, that, that is absurd. It uh, is. I, I, there, I, I have all the confidence in the world that that is not what any executive order would do, and it, and it could not possibly purport to do that. Uh, it, it is much more likely it will focus on, on very uh, narrow uh, uh, very sort of narrow circumstances where individuals are either here illegally, uh, and, and I, I would assume it would be forward-looking that he would not try to strip uh, citizenship from, from individuals who have you know, relied on U.S. passports thus far. Um, but, but to really go after it, it, people who don't fit that, that concept of having actual legal, lawful, permanent ties to the United States. As you mentioned, uh, those who are here unlawfully and, and those who are here uh, in, a, in a more transient manner, especially birthright tourism, uh, who, you know, they, they go back to their own countries. They have no permanent ties to the United States other than to come back and to take advantage of things like lower education costs. Okay, so, yes, you, uh, so I, I understand what you're saying, but I am not hearing people describing this in the media accurately. First of all, it, just correct me if I'm wrong here, because I, I am not an expert in this area. But I believe that if the president were to draft a executive order that basically took away birthright citizenship for any group that is under the jurisdiction of the United States. So blacks, Muslims, you know, anybody who's a citizen of this country. But all of a sudden he would say, but this particular group, when they have children in the country, they're here lawfully, but they have children. Their children aren't citizens because they're born on on American soil. That would immediately be struck down by the Supreme Court. Absolutely. Uh, it, it is It is almost certain that, and again, I, I haven't even heard whispers that, that this is realistically what he would attempt to do. His, his entire uh, campaign has been you know, focusing on illegal immigration uh, mm-hmm. and those who are here to, to take advantage of you know, American citizenship, just to, uh, for example, through birthright tourism, you know, to, to have a U.S. passport holder in the family, but to never actually you know, attempt to be part of the American community. Uh, and so, no, anything outside of those very, very limited circumstances of illegal immigration and birthright tourism, uh, th- those things are, you know, as you mentioned, to any, anything to the effect of well, people who are here lawfully or who are citizens, to, to strip citizenship from their kids, anything to that nature would, would absolutely be struck down, and rightfully so, uh, by the Supreme Court. Absolutely. So I'm... Um- I, what I see a possible timeline looking like, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, we don't even believe in that stuff, but I do think that there's a way to kind of think through the possibilities of what could occur. Um, the, the president would write an executive order that would be narrowly tailored to address the problems that we're currently experiencing with the border and also, secondarily, the birthright tourism, which is kind of an unreported, unseen issue that a lot of people are aware of, but most Americans are not. So he would draft this executive order and he would issue it. And then immediately the ACLU and 20 other groups would sue and take the suit to the ninth appellate court, which is controlled by liberals. And they would strike it down and put a national injunction in place against the president for from enforcing the executive order. And then yeah. the, they would appeal to the Supreme Court. And then what? Uh, well, yeah. So, I, I mean, that that particular uh timeline of events is almost certainly what would happen. I, I mean, I'm, I'm certain that uh, within hours, if not minutes of, of any executive <laughs> order, you would have lawsuits uh, filed in, in all sorts of courts all over the country uh, on on behalf of you know, many different groups. 
Um, almost certainly, as we've seen with the travel ban, you'll be able to find one judge somewhere who will issue a national injunction, um, and that executive order probably would not be able to go into effect uh, in any meaningful way. Uh, in terms of what happens once it gets to the Supreme Court, again, it's just so hard because we don't have an executive order in front of us, um, and, and a lot of you know, the different reasonings or, or um, theories that, that the Supreme Court might look at for upholding it or striking it down, it's really going to depend on the language and how it's framed and, and what it purports to do. Uh, you know, I, I would hope that uh, the justices on the court who uh, we would consider originalist would look at the, the context of the legislative history at the time, that they would look at how it was understood in the decades following its enactment, uh, and that they would look at all those things and, and come to the same conclusion that so many other scholars have come to, which is that no, birthright citizenship is not a universal mandate for anybody and everybody born on American soil, uh, but that it is limited to those individuals who have permanent, real uh, allegiance-based ties to the United States. Okay, and last question, because we just have a minute left here, but I can't, I can't let you get away without getting your opinion, Amy. Recently, uh, Judge um, Thomas, Justice Thomas, said that he felt at some point he was going to have to, or the Supreme Court was going to have to rule on this idea that appellate court judges could enjoin the president of the United States from engaging in actions that he's constitutionally mandated to do, such as controlling the border. Do you think this would be one of those cases where they would kind of be forced to rule on the fact that judges are not traditionally supposed to be able to enjoin the presidency? I, you know, I, I have no idea. They haven't done it in the past. This is a, a very important issue. Uh, my, my guess is Justice Thomas will, will continue to, to voice that opinion in, in every single one of these cases that comes up. Uh, whether or not you will get you know, five justices to, to really hammer that one home uh, remains to be seen, though I, I would be hopeful that that would be the case uh, because it, it is a very real problem. Mm. I hope that they will. Um, and, and not just because of Justice Gorsuch and now Justice Kavanaugh, but because of Justice Roberts. And, uh, you know, I've... I just feel like at some point they have to be able to tell these courts that they've stepped outside of their mandate um, and that it's a it's a wrong way for Americans to view the, the judiciary, that the judiciary somehow has more power and control under a co-equal form of government that we that we enjoy, that they have more control than the executive. It's not meant to be that way. No, absolutely not. Mm. Wow. Thank you. I. I so enjoy the Heritage Guests, and you are just one of the best as well. Thank you, Amy, for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. All right. Talk to you again soon. Have a great weekend. Amy Swearer of the Heritage Foundation. Fantastic analysis. I I love having these experts on. Um, We'll be back with more. We're going to talk about the conference board, Steve Odland, and the consumer confidence and the left's hypocrisy. Stay right there. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Blount County School District Superintendent Rodney Green caved to the Freedom From Religion Jihadi's complaint about student-led prayer at football games, and parents immediately fought back. Students were using the school's public announcement system to broadcast the short prayer, and the Freedom From Fun folks felt that that made it an endorsement. 
Instead of consulting parents, the decision was made after consulting attorneys. At the next game, aggravated moms and dads stood and said the Lord's Prayer in unison without the assistance of a PA system. The next week, the spirit of capitalism took over and the parents made t-shirts with the Lord's Prayer on them and sold those at a breakneck pace. And the shirts are cute, stylish even. Two takeaways here. First off, if taxpayers pay your salary, consult with them before making huge changes, especially if prompted by the freedom from fun people. Secondly, and ultimately, it's up to us to keep our religious freedom. Don't forget it. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. The March for Life in Washington, D.C. is the largest annual human rights demonstration in the world. And this year's theme is, unique from day one, pro-life is pro-science. You see, medical and scientific advancements always affirm the pro-life movement. At just 10 weeks, you were small enough to stand on your daddy's little fingernail, but already so perfectly formed, you had fingerprints. Your heart began to beat at six weeks after your life began. As long as abortion is legal in America, we will gather at the March for Life to say, stop the killing. I hope you will be part of this incredible celebration of life. Also, check out March for Life's amazing video. You can find it at lifeissues.org, then click on the microphone icon. Follow us on Twitter at Life Issues USA and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. A fat fine for a phone maker for slowing down old phones. This time, the Italian Authority for Market and Competition, slapping Samsung with a fine of $5.7 million. Apple was accused of and admitted to slowing down older phones with software updates. They claim it was necessary to avoid unexpected crashes and shutdowns when aging batteries weren't able to handle new software. Apple was also fined in Italy for $11.5 bucks for the move. Well, now Samsung is being accused of the same thing slowing down older phones with software updates. In fact, the investigation in Italy found that it caused serious dysfunction and accelerated the process of replacing them. During Apple's battery gate, Samsung said they'd never caused an intentional slowdown of older devices. As our smartphones age, the batteries don't last as long, and many think it's an intentional way to force users to buy a new phone. But batteries do have a shelf life, usually hundreds of charge cycles before they start to fade. With Fox on Tech, I'm Brett Larson, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. When you're dealing with politics, when you're dealing with politics, if you want to see, when you're dealing with morality, you're not dealing with any of these people. Any of them. None of them. Not one of them. I mean, the, you, you, we used to know that politicians were windbagged, celebrities were, you know, idiots, and news people were just kind of, you know, Ted Baxter stand-up people. But if you need a reminder, I just have to play this one last thing, which is Don Lemon commenting on how we should not demonize people. Uh, let's play this. We have to stop demonizing people and realize the biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right, uh, to the right. And we have to start doing something about them. There is no travel ban on them. There is no ban on, you know, they have the Muslim ban. There is no white guy ban. So what do we do about that? <laughs> do you, you ever see that picture of the guy with half a head? 
Like his head, whole front, top of his head is caved in. You notice you never see him and Don Lemon at the ah. same place. Anyway, that is their hypocrisy right there in about 20 seconds of, of tape. Uh, unbelievable. And that is why we should not be get let them make us hysterical about any moral issue ever, ever. And that was Andrew Clavon uh, talking about this thing with Don Lemon. Now, we at Project 21 issued a statement. We don't call for Don Lemon to be fired, but we call for a retraction and a statement by uh, the head of the network, the person who's in charge of all of the content there and is ultimately responsible for the things that these people say, to make a retraction and apology and to assure the president, the, the, the people of America, not the president, but the people of America, that CNN will no longer demonize individual groups of Americans. And I can tell you, um, why would a black group be defending so-called white men in America from this kind of attack? Because where we go one, we go all. That's why. Because we're, if, if white men are able to be demonized in attacks, then so are black men. We've got to put a stop to this idea that certain groups of Americans are bad just because they were born, I don't know, with no tan. With a tan, with a moderate tan, with a cocoa cream tan, whatever you just stop. I know we don't believe that, but Don Lemon speaks to millions of people. And these kind of statements basically enable other people to hold these radical ideas as well. And it's not right. Now, I want to point out in all of our conversations about the 14th Amendment, the 14th Amendment was not misapplied until about 60 years ago when Ted Kennedy began to implement his plans to radically change our immigration system and make it more, you know, third world country friendly. He was the impetus for interpreting the 14th Amendment to mean that illegals could have babies here. That's important to note because pe- most of these news stories are making it seem as if the illegals could have babies here and they were citizens from the day that this was signed. But why would the founders just for a second think about this? Why would the founders ever make a law to um, validate the citizenship of a person who was in the country illegally? Why would they do that? So you have to allow the facts to percolate up and through. So now we're going to do quick, quick, because we're in the last segment. It's Friday. I want to get to everything. President Trump made remarks on the illegal immigration crisis and it was a fantastic, I'll have to post the, the link for you. Um, so you can listen to it yourself. You can turn it on while you're cooking dinner, you know, because that's, that's what I'm about to go do. I got to figure out something for dinner tonight because our daughter is bringing a friend home and she's coming from college and, you know, this girl is spoiled. She expects these fantastic homemade feasts when she comes home from college. And you, you guys know, I don't know if you've noticed, she's been coming home frequently, but I got to figure something out. I think she wants to rack a lamb. I'm like, this is not Thanksgiving. What are you talking about? So I had to figure something out that's good that's not a rack of lamb, um, but I'll be doing that after the show. Right now, I want to listen to President Trump talking about the immigration crisis, number four. And now, if you look back at Honduras and if you look at El Salvador, other ones are solving and they're, they're forming. They're forming. You have new ones that are forming. And we call it caravan number two is unbelievably rough, people. Very, very hard for the military to stop it. Our military will have no problem. But very, very hard. Mexico's having a very, very hard time with it. Once they arrive, the Democrat Party's vision is to offer them free health care, free welfare, free education, and even the right to vote. You and the hardworking taxpayers of our country will be asked to pick up the entire tab. That's what's happening. Medical, and in many cases, they've got some big medical problems before they get here. 
No nation can allow itself to be overwhelmed by uncontrolled masses of people rushing their border. That's what's happening. So he went on to say a lot of other things. He talked about the military. And I, you know, I guess I'll go on the record here. Um, and so obviously individual circumstances would, would uh, dictate. Uh, but the military has rules of engagement currently. Um, and they have rules of engagement. And they're, they're very specific, but they can also be tailored to uh, the situation on the ground and the operational capacity that the military is, is you know, utilizing for, for a particular engagement. And so I'm speaking about the military members who are going to be stationed along the southern border now. It's my understanding that they will have weapons, but they're not going to be stationed there with weapons, not all of them. Many of them will be operating in a support function, but they will be able to be deputized by U.S. Border Customs and Border Patrol. U.S. Customs and Border Patrol will be able to deputize active duty uh, soldiers to give them the authority to operate within the parameters of of border enforcement. And so this is, look, I am not a warmonger. I'm not bloodthirsty. I understand what war is. I've heard enough from my father about his time in Vietnam. He actually was wounded there. He lost good friends there. Um, My first pet was my father's military police dog. Um, I'm telling you, I I understand what it is and I greatly respect what it means to go to war with someone. But I also respect our border and I respect the individuals who've gone to our military war colleges and spent their entire adult careers from the time they were 18 or 24 working in the military and being trained up to lead our armed forces. And these are not um, these are not inconsequential individuals. They are intelligent and they are very well versed in what it means to defend an entity from an incursion. And so I really I'm I don't want it to be that someone would misunderstand my statements to mean that I think it's okay to shoot women and children or anything of that nature, but anyone who's hurling rocks or trying to breach a barrier or trying to forcibly enter this country is no longer an asylum seeker. They are an enemy combatant. And all that goes with that. Any person who wishes to gain access to this country illegally and is willing to use physical force to do so is no longer a person with which the military would deal in a peacekeeping manner, if you will. Which, by the way, peacekeepers are actually members of the UN forces. UN peacekeepers is the proper term for that. Our military has at certain points in its history, modern history, been utilized as peacekeepers. But those, in my opinion, were grave errors. And it is our military's job to break stuff and kill the enemy. And in that capacity, deployed to our southern border, it is feasible that they might engage with individuals who are throwing rocks or utilizing weapons themselves and that there may be casualties or injuries and all of that is precipitated on the fact that you don't have to approach the southern border of the United States and try to gain access illegally and if you choose to do that it is your personal choice and the consequences will be whatever the consequences will be that's how I feel about it Um, of course my feelings don't matter here what matters is what the military leadership is willing to do in concert with border patrol and, and and uh, enforcement, and we'll see what happens. 
my hope is that they will disband and turn around and stop these uh, fanciful, ridiculous um, ideas of marching on the border of the United States. We'll see what happens. So now I want to talk about this. It's, it's consumer confidence rising to the highest level in 18 years. For context, our oldest child is 18. So since she was a baby, consumer confidence hasn't been this high. Let's listen to number three. Well, yeah, but then you also have all of the seasonal hiring that's going to happen during the holidays. You know, you've got, uh, you know, Amazon alone is, is, is adding tens of thousands of jobs. All retailers do. That should add more uh, spending uh, into the market on top of what we're seeing going into it. So I think this is going to be a, a very positive trend. You know, also you look at the trade situation, which people were worried would, would derail things, and that seems to not even have created a ripple uh, in all of this. And as we know, it hasn't affected the U.S. GDP because our imports into China are relatively small. So it doesn't look, you know, unless we get into a, a big bear market, unless something, you know, some exogenous event happens here, it doesn't look like there's anything that would de derail consumer confidence going into the holidays. I don't know what consumer, that there's a correlation between consumer confidence and the elections. And of course, uh, you know, we'll find out what happens next week. But I think that uh, you, you see uh, the focus here on the job, their own job situation and their own wage situation, and that's really what ties to the consumer confidence. So, um, again, it looks, and if you look at, uh, at what they are projecting here, as far as they can see, the next six months, all of it looks positive. So, they don't obviously think that uh, whatever's going to happen next week is going to derail that. Oh, and so good times. Um, I'm I'm so excited uh, about this this kind of news. Um, we're talking about the Consumer Confidence Index now standing at 137.9, which is um, up from 135.3 in, in September. And the future outlook of consumers, known as the Expectations Index, which is Consumer Short-Term Outlook for Income, Business, and Labor Market Conditions, actually increased from 112.5 last month to 114.6. Um, so what does that mean? It means Middle America feels great about now, next week, next month, and well into next year. Additionally... Um, the, you know, actuaries will begin to project a splendidly strong holiday season. Um, so that's, that's good. Uh, that's good news. We could use it. We could use that good news, you know, to, to kind of say, Hey, look, this is what's happening. You want to see more of that? Well, you know what to do. Don't, don't stay home on Tuesday. Get, get out there, get your, your, uh, took kiss in gear and vote. That's what you got to do. Um, I want to just, before we leave the show, I want to share a little bit more from the rally. So, you might have heard news on other outlets today that some people parked as far as three or three and a half miles away and walked to the rally venue. I was one of those people. I ended up parking across the highway and thinking that the blue building that I saw was the actual venue when in reality, the blue building was about 30% of the way and I still had more to walk. And I was with hundreds of other people, about 400 cars by my estimation, and I'm always low parked on the other side of the highway with me. There were, according to people that I heard estimating, about 5,000 people inside the hangar, but about 15,000 people attended because about 50% of the people were walking on one side of the road towards the venue and the other 50% were walking away because they decided they didn't want to wait in line to get in or they didn't want to stand outside because they were afraid it was going to continue to rain because it had been raining all day. So yeah, I walked three miles 
from that side over to you there. I just didn't realize I was going to be walking that long. I didn't, I did not know that it was three miles from there. That's first of all, I was with hundreds of other people walking. Now, on the way back, I caught a shuttle like most people did. They had buses running from the venue back to the far side. So I caught the shuttle and I was about halfway to my car. It's dark and I considered I might have to walk across a field and my foot could go down into a hole or something and I could break my ankle and it was dark and my phone was at 1%. And so I actually hitched a ride with two moms and their sons in there. They had like a huge sport utility vehicle and they drove me over to my car. And so I want to give a shout out to those two beautiful moms with their two beautiful sons and the daughter who's down at uh, College of the Ozarks. Oh, no, I'm sorry. She's at Mizzou. They have a a daughter at Mizzou, an 18-year-old, I believe. I want to give them a shout out for giving me a ride back to my car. That's what I mean when I say these are my people. They didn't have to do it, but they did. (laughs) So I ended up on the wrong side of the parking lot and... I was really wishing that my husband was there because he's, he's the direction guy. He always knows exactly which way to go in order to get somewhere directly and fast. But he wasn't there. And these two ladies were. And they were so kind and so sweet. And we had the best chat on the way in. We like totally, we, you know, we were, we're all wearing our Trump gear. And we agreed on a lot. And I'm telling you this story because it just so happens that I'm sporting the permanent tan and they were not. And they didn't hesitate to give me a ride. I bummed a ride from two strangers at a Trump rally and lived to tell about it. And not only that, but those two women were awesome. If they're ever in the St. Louis area, I want to take them to lunch and, and just, you know, spend some time looking at their pretty faces and thinking about how much fun we had at all of us. It was our first Trump rally. So I'm saying that because I know that there's someone out there who's thinking about emailing me or they've already emailed me. I haven't checked my email about how could I be wearing a Trump hat today? How could I have gone to a Trump rally? What is wrong with me? When am I going to present the other side? I'm not going to present the other side. So don't don't keep waiting for that. And God bless to those two beautiful women who gave me a ride last night. You saved my bacon. You're tip top with me. Thanks to Donald Trump for coming to Columbia Thanks to the Missouri Highway Patrolmen and the Police Department of Columbia, Missouri for the crowd control efforts. You were fantastic. Nothing but smiles and waves. And it was great to have your protection yesterday. God bless you. From the heartland, see you on Monday. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association.